listening to Lady Radio, the hottest show this side of Dizzo. Attention, attention. Executive Shuttle Coaching. Guest Commander, Dave Hughes. You are here for docking. Entertainment Manager to the Casino. Entertainment Manager to the Casino. Hello and welcome back to Lave Radio, where we're continuing our series of interviews with elite dangerous authors. This week we're joined by Dave Hughes, who recently successfully kick-started his Elite Encounters role-playing game, a role-playing game set in the Elite universe and designed to coincide with the release of Elite Dangerous. We have to give a slight apology this evening, as Dave is suffering with the Elite flu that seems to be doing the rounds, uh, so if there's any coughing or snuffling at any point, uh, you'll have to bear with us. So firstly, Dave, congratulations on completing the Kickstarter. Uh, how was that experience for you? I found it very humbling and surreal um, in a lot of ways. I don't think in my entire life I've ever said thank you as much to people that I've never met. The whole concept of people you don't know who are giving you, who are handing over their hard-earned cash for basically on trust is something that I've never experienced before. And I doubt, if, unless I do another Kickstarter, I'll get that feeling again. It was um, oddly addictive in the last few days. <laughs> especially that last half hour where it, the, the total went up, I think it went up about £1,000 in an hour. And that was just amazing to watch. So, yeah, it was humbling. It was exciting. It was, it was like a little film on its own. Full of action. Yeah, I saw your first update after the Kickstarter ended where you said that after it finished, you missed the sound of your phone going off with new pledges. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was like, it was like a big come down from something. The, th- the thing had been going off every, every few seconds in that last couple of hours. And then the, the first week of the Kickstarter as well, the, the first two days especially, it just didn't stop because I've got all the Kickstarter notifications and went straight to the email. And then that middle phase where it was quite quiet, nothing happened. But that last few days was unreal. And then just everything went totally quiet and it kind of really missed it. Okay, well, brilliant. Congra- I mean, congratulations again. Um, so what's your what's your own history with the game Elite? Well, the first time I ever found Elite was one of the people I went to school with passed me a tape over one day on, on the walk to school. And on the front of it, it said Elite. He said, you've got to try this. This is something we've never seen before. It's brilliant. And I said, yeah, yeah, because he was the person that showed me Pac-Man, which was rubbish. <laughs> so he gave me this tape. I brought. I took it home. I played it. I thought, wow, that's, yeah, that's different. Then found that four hours had gone past. Oh, yeah, it must be, must be quite good then. So I gave me his tape back the next day. And like a good little boy, I went and bought it. My hard-earned pocket money. And then that was when I found the, the manual and everything for it, which was just... The first time I'd ever seen something like that. I was on, I was on a Spectrum at the time, Spectrum Plus 2. And it was uh, the first time I'd ever seen anything as detailed and as action-packed as that. That was it. I just fell in love. The manual and all its depth and all the things that Rob Holdstock had put in it just brought it into the imagination. And I just, my imagination went with it and it just never really came out of it since. So your particular project, uh, Elite Encounters, is a tabletop role-playing game. So for the benefit of quite a lot of our listeners, I think, who may be aren't necessarily aware of what a tabletop role-playing game is. So for the benefit of the people listening, a tabletop role-playing game is a, a kind of shared narrative story. It differs slightly from a board game in the sense that you don't necessarily have to play it with a board. There isn't a sort of fixed route. And the way a role-playing game is generally played is you have one player who takes on the role of the, the games master or the narrator, once upon a time called the Dungeon Master, but that phrase has fallen into uh, misuse a little bit now. Basically, that player 
controls the game and they know what's going on. So if the other players open the door and go into a room, the games master already knows what's in that room. They know what they'll find. And when the players get into a fight, it will be the games master who controls all of the non-player characters. So he'll roll for them in battle. Uh, if they're having a conversation, he'll keep up the non-player characters side of things. So generally, it's it's a sort of thing that's played with people sitting around. Quite often, dice are involved, uh, pencils and bits of paper. You know, sometimes you might have a board with with figures, but it's there's no fixed walls to it is that you know that's kind of what we're saying isn't it here dave that uh with tabletop role-playing games you don't have a sense that the game is limited i.e you'll come up against an invisible wall where the universe of the game stops you can always just go somewhere yeah it's, it's, it's up to the games master to work out what's going to happen next and where you can go next um one of the one of the things I used to enjoy a lot about being a, D, uh, a GM, DM, whatever you want to call it, was that characters always used to go off in a direction that you never expected. It didn't matter how carefully you planned out your game session or how much information you brought to the session, one of the players would always go and do something that was completely left field. And you'd end up wandering off into someone's house that you'd never met before. Or they'd latch onto one tiny little bit of the plot that you mentioned as a throwaway comment, and they'd pursue that for the next three days. Um, so there are no limits to it at all. It's just up to the inventiveness and creativity of the GM to, to run the session and keep everyone interested. So I noticed on your own website, uh, daftworks.co.uk, uh, I was having a bit of a look round to see some of the things you were doing. So you've got a bit of a design thing going on there and some interest in sort of paper craft and other types of games. And I noticed that you had a, a sort of freely available board game based on Elite. I sort of noticed that the date you did that is a little bit prior to all the information about Elite Dangerous coming out and, and the Elite Dangerous Kickstarter starting. So, so what happened there? You were already working on an Elite board game. Well, the, the story is, um, a few years ago, a friend and myself set up a, a very small business called Madcap Models, which was for making, uh, designing and distributing card models. This might seem a little irrelevant, but bear with me, it's going somewhere. Um, and he sadly had to drop out for personal reasons, which left me running it myself. Now, I didn't have a lot of resources to build and test paper models myself. So I turned slightly more towards board games, just very simple, very easy to play board games. And I designed a couple of them based around sports. Like I did one for football and one for motor racing. And then someday on the Elite forums, I mentioned something about it would be really cool to have some kind of way of playing Elite without being on a computer. So, of course, me seeing that, I thought, oh, I can do that together a, a quick and dirty board game just literally based around the concept of getting from your hyperspace entry point in the system to the station without dying yeah and as you said that was that was quite a bit before the kickstarter came up for elite dangerous at that point nobody ever thought elite four was going to get done with all of the other sort of elite dangerous kickstarters a lot of these are based around fiction projects so um writing stories and uh, novels um, I know there is one other gaming related one that's a sort of choose your own adventure thing but so at what point did you decide that you wanted to create a role-playing game for Elite? When I was at university around about 1993 that was the first time that the idea of a, an Elite role-playing game actually came into my head and I did write up some rules for it and some character generation stuff and I got a group together and we played that for about two years. It developed a little bit through that time and just you know just adding things to it and making it a little bit more streamlined and Everyone said they used to quite enjoyed it, and that the not so much the the, the rule system itself, but the rule system, the way it was played, the, the story that was being told. So everyone had quite good feedback about it. So that was the first seed, some of what would become what I'm doing now. But as far as the actual Kickstarter itself, 
I'd watched obviously the Elite Dangerous Kickstarter go through its initial phases, then it slump in the middle, and then towards the end it was getting quite good. Between Christmas and New Year, I'd been thinking it'd be great to do one of these writer's packs, but can I commit to writing a, a full 70,000 word novel? Well, probably not, because I wouldn't be able to get that much concentration or that much storytelling ability in one place. Surprisingly slowly for me, which means I obviously wasn't concentrating very well, I didn't even come up with the thought of a role-playing game until that point, until the 27th day. And it suddenly just hit me. And I thought, well, why don't I do that? It's a book. It still would fit. So I emailed Michael Brooks and asked him if it was possible to do this. And he asked for a bit more information about what it would involve and what would be in the book. And he was concerned that role-playing games tend to be more than one book. And I said to him, well, this one would be just one book because I can contain everything that's needed to play the game. And the background information for the universe and so on is as much information as I can possibly get from Frontier into the one book and then release that. And he gave me the go-ahead for it. Unfortunately, it was a bit too late to put it into place to get it in by the end of the Kickstarter for Elite Dangerous. So a little bit more negotiation was sort of done then. I sort of said, would it be okay to run it as a separate thing afterwards and then buy a pledge afterwards? And he said, well, we're going to put an app together anyway to do that. So yeah, feel free. He gave me a little bit of help putting together the Kickstarter. He vetted it all for me to make sure that I wasn't going too far outside what the limit of the writer's pack is. Because, I mean, this idea has really pushed the boundaries of the of the writer's pack. Like Things like, you know, dice weren't expected to be in a writer's pack, for example. Yeah, but he's, he was very, very kind, very lenient, and hasn't killed me yet. Although I don't think that'll be a permanent situation because he's going to get a lot more emails from me soon. But that, that was the seed of it anyway. It was just, I was, really, I was actually surprised at how late I was myself having the idea given the fact that since 1993 or 95 or whenever we stopped playing it, I thought it'd be a great idea to have an official elite role-playing game. And then suddenly this chance comes along, it's staring me in the face, and I missed it for nearly two months. So from your point of view, how will playing Elite Encounters be a different kind of experience to playing Elite Dangerous? Well, I think the, the obvious answer to that is it won't be on a computer. The intent I've got is I want to try and keep it as close to the computer game as I possibly can, and as, as close as Frontier will let me, because I want it to be like a shared experience. Like you, you could perhaps take what you've done on the game at some point and then take it out of the game and play it in the role-playing game as well with, with another group of people who maybe aren't playing the computer game. I'd, I'd like the system to actually be as close as I can get it to it as well. I did ask about the character-type things, but obviously Frontier aren't doing the characterization and the avatars until a much later date. But I want to try and keep the ship experience, like the ship combat, as much as I can to it to be the same. The hope is that it will appeal to a whole different set of demographics as well. Obviously, it's going to bring role players into the elite universe, which I don't think has ever been done before. Um, and hopefully that'll be more people that will come in and buy the game as well. As far as it being different, to summarise it, I don't think I'd like it to be all that different. I'd like it to be a kind of expansion of the game that other people can get into as well without having to be sitting in front of a computer. More of a social event. So what kind of role-playing game do you currently envisage that Elite Encounters will be? You've obviously already said that there'll be the sort of spaceship combat. But perhaps for listeners who are familiar with playing other times of tabletop games like Dungeons and Dragons, there is a lot of walking around and a lot of fighting on foot. So how would you imagine the kind of stories that are going to come out of Elite Encounters are going to be shaped? I'd like it to be a lot of both. You can get out of your ship and you can walk around a station, you can walk around a planet, or you can go from station to planet and have an adventure on the way. More sort of character-based than ship-based stories, more than anything else. The thing with the role-playing game that I've always found is that it's, it's more or less up to the, the games master, the, the person who's running the game, to set what the tone of the story is going to be. My intent, as, as, a, as a GM myself, I would want it to be more character-based. And helping people through, whether it be your own ingenuity, your 
character's ingenuity. You're having to role-play your way through these situations yourself with my intent being as little dice rolling as possible because I find that too much dice rolling and too much stat checking tends to interfere with the way the story flows. And the best games I've actually played have been the ones where it's your own inventiveness as a, as a player playing that character that can make the best games. So m- more of a personal type thing. And then the, the, the ship side of it would be obviously the, the bit that everyone loves from Elite which would tie the two together. Yeah, tell me about it. I mean, I uh, run a uh, Doctor Who-based tabletop role-playing game, um, and the number of times I stat sort of a a great fight for them, and of course it being Doctor Who, the first thing they do is talk the monster out of attacking them. So do you imagine that the group of players uh, are individual ship commanders, or maybe they're the crew of one large ship? How would that work? Again, it could be anything. It's entirely up to the way that the GM wants to run the campaign. I'm, I'm going to include a lot of templates for characters in the, in the book, and they'll be as wide-ranging as I can, as my imagination and the imagination of people that have bought game developer pledges on the Kickstarter can come up with. I'm thinking of ship captains, toilet cleaners, second-class technicians. We've got one of those. <laughs> Pre-written, there you go. <laughs> and just as many different things as I can. I mean, a lot of the first sessions for a lot of games that I've played have been how do you get these people together? Because people often, if you leave them to their own devices and you don't have a set story for them to say, right, we're going to be doing this, then they'll go off and design characters themselves that are all different types of character. And then it's up to the GM to then say, right, how do I get these people all in one place? Or why would I want? Why would they all want to work together? So that gives it a challenge to the GM. And I hope to put a little bit into the book to try and help with that kind of thing, to start GMs off and saying, right, this is a good way to get people together. And the, the sample adventures will hopefully have a bit of that. That's a familiar problem. <laughs> Very familiar. So when you're creating a new game like this, because something like uh, Dungeons & Dragons, obviously, which is, which is the big pen and paper role-playing game that people know, there's been different versions, but really it's a game that has been gradually play-tested over 30-odd years. So when you're creating a, a new game like this from scratch, how do you set about sort of testing it and making sure that the experience is going to be right and balanced for all kinds of different people coming to it? Well, there's a couple of different ways that I've considered for this, for this particular project. Um, during the Kickstarter, there, were, there was a pledge level there for playtest. They would be the ones who initially look at the system and start saying, right, this works, this doesn't work. And that will help me to refine it so that it works better. There's a beta tester group as well, um, which is it was a cheaper pledge that I put in towards the end, which will allow people later access to the game. September or November, I think, I put for it. And they'll do the fine details to make sure it's balanced. And, of course, the other option is that I'll be going out myself, putting a group together and testing it with my own friends to see if they can suggest anything as well. There are a few people on the Frontier forums and on the Elite forums who have showed an interest and wanted to get together and give it a try. A few of them are quite near to where I live in Derby, so hopefully we'll be able to get together and get something going there, and that will give me some valuable feedback as well. Nothing like testing it yourself to make sure it works. In terms of the, the tabletop role-playing games uh, that you play, what are your influences? What are your favourites? Well, I think the most influential one that I've played would be the, the, the original Star Trek role-playing game, which I played back in 1991. 90 or 91 it was the first I played that. And it was a nice, it was a simple system, it was very flowing, obviously it was related to Star Trek, but I'd only really just got into it at the time. The very first one I played, like yourself, was D&D, so obviously that shaped my original ideas about how to play. I always found D&D quite complicated. Quite a lot of the games we played there involved looking up a lot of tables and rolling a lot of dice and then waiting for the GM to find these references in the book. And it seemed to be a bit stunted sometimes, especially if it was a big combat and you had a lot of people against you. 
but that was deep end stuff as well because after the first session of playing that, I was thrown in as a DM as well. So I ran the, the very old Caverns of Soikanth adventure um, for the first time and made some modifications to it as I was playing it as well. So that was a lot of fun. I had a very forgiving group that I was playing with who said uh, I did a good job, but... And from there, I've played pretty much anything I could find. I've played Traveller. I've played Mega Traveller. So on your Kickstarter, you talk about... Uh... Traveller, and uh, you talk about how maybe the originally seemed to be inspired by Traveller. What kind of game is Traveller? Traveller is actually it's a very similar idea to Elite. Well, it's actually a more similar idea to Elite Dangerous. There's a lot of different factions in the galaxy who are vying for control of certain things and all politically interacting with each other. But it had a very detailed planetary generation system in, in the book itself. And I think that was what... This, this is the rumour of that everyone's probably heard about, about Elite was that the whole multi-government, anarchy, all those type of descriptions and the commercial types were all basically based on Traveller. What Elite seems to have done is taken a lot of the Traveller concepts and made them into a far more streamlined and far more friendly system to play, or friendly game to play. Traveller itself, again, similar to what I thought about D&D, is a very complicated game. It's got all these different rules and regulations for different things you can do, like generate a planet, generate a society, generate a ship, one of the thickest books I think I've seen. I think the latest edition of it that's coming out, I think it's this year it's coming out, it's going to be something like 700 pages long, which even for a role-playing game is quite a lot of pages. It's fun to play, in my opinion, if you throw half the rules to one side and don't worry about them, just make it up as you go along. But then that's the way that I play. <laughs> so. so that's, I mean, obviously, famously, with where we are so far with Elite Dangerous, one of the things that's caused some of the biggest reaction uh, is around the initial version of Elite Dangerous not having planets. But obviously that is something that you can include in the tabletop role-playing game. So how you know, receptive are Frontier to the fact that you know, you'll be including in your game elements that they're not yet able to include in Elite Dangerous? Um, I think they're ca- well, I'd like to think they're cautiously optimistic they'll do it justice. From what Michael said, it's not a priority that they're going to release or refine any of the ideas they've had for planetary encounters or anything like that. So essentially, it's, it's up to me to develop something for the game to define a character and define a planet's uh, look and feel. Or it's up to the, the GM or the players to define that between themselves as well. I mean, I, I can put guidelines into the book to say, these are your government types, these are your society types, this is your trade type. You can put any amount of these together. And there's always the thing that, as far as planets are concerned, if people want, because the game's coming out at the same time as Elite Dangerous, they can then use the computer game itself generate their their own planets so if, if they want to use a planet reference or a planet description or something then they can go into the, the computer game and grab information from there or just make it up as they go along one of the two this is what i was going to ask you so with elite dangerous having such a, a huge amount of, of sort of planets and things defined procedurally generated for for people coming to the tabletop game maybe who don't play it on the pc you know how close will the planets and the universe they explore then be to what's in the game? Will it be quite divergent, or will you have a certain amount of information that's in the game also in your book? I'll put as much information as I can get from Frontier into the book, um, so that it will be as close as it can possibly be to what the final game is going to be like. Um, I want to, try, as, as I've said before, I want to try and make it as close as an experience as I can make it to the computer game. Um, I don't want it to diverge too much, or else then people are going to 
play the role-playing game, and if they ever do look at the computer, they're going to go, well, this is nothing like it. So obviously I'll be liaising with Frontier quite closely over the next year to try and get as much information about the planets, about the areas of the galaxy. Obviously part of the writer's pack is to be able to define a planet and a system and a space station as part of it. And I will heavily feature that system in the book as being a place where adventures can happen and that'll give hopefully people an idea how to generate a planet or how to make a planet work. I'll include information hopefully if I'm allowed to about the planets that are already defined like Earth or Lave or Dizzo, Dizzo. I've always called it Dizzo but you all call it Dizzo, Achenar <laughs> and Fasis and all the ones that are from the Gazetteers and so on. So as much information as I can get about what the feel of certain planet types are will be in the book as much as I can manage it. So fingers crossed it'll work. So you mentioned creating a character and you said that obviously that's something that's quite late down the line in terms of Elite Dangerous. But what sort of things would shape a character that you create? I've always seen character generation as being very much involved in the Games Master. So the Games Master knows what sort of game he's going to want to play, what characters would go well with what player. So hopefully he knows these players. Um, if he doesn't, then he can sort of talk with them and try and sort something out. So he can work with, work with them as to what character they'd maybe suit playing, especially if they're a first-time player. There's a certain amount of archetypes already available in some of the stuff on the Frontier forums as well, like pirates, explorers, escorts, that type of thing. That would hopefully boil down quite well into a template for the role-playing game as well. So if somebody wants to play a pirate, then they can go into the role-playing game and there's a template for a pirate character, which will define some of his characteristics. The actual attributes themselves haven't been finalised yet. I have pages and pages of notes on this tablet about... Um, what different attribute ideas could be because my plan is to try and make it as, as I said in one of the updates on the role-playing games Kickstarter there's a wide variety of things I can possibly use to tie together how a character would work I want to make it as I suppose realistic to how a person actually works um, rather than just having it being you're trying to climb a wall therefore roll against your strength to pull yourself up it I want the characters or the, or the player to say well maybe if I think my way around this problem I won't have to climb the wall just be using my arms well, look, there's footholds over there. So it would have some kind of intelligence to it as well, or observational skills or something like that. And then obviously the character development itself would be that similar sort of thing. It's trying to steer away from things like experience points, because even in some of the frontier stuff at the moment about the, the elite rating and how that's all changed, which you covered in the podcast last week, it's not your sort of average, you get this many kills or you get this many successes at something and you can then have this ranking. It's more a sort of you get a reputation or you, you get you do something and you know you've you've got a little bit of experience on that so let's bear that in mind in the future and you'll get a reward from that so I'm, I'm going to try and keep it to that kind of idea so that you develop naturally as a person or as a character rather than just a, num- a series of numbers on a page. Yeah, that's interesting, and I think sometimes it's yeah, particularly with players maybe who have played other role playing games, they do almost sometimes expect to get sort of rewards at the end of an adventure and I always find it funny with the Doctor Who stuff because the Doctor Who game doesn't have any XP or any kind of levelling up like that but I, you sort of try and allow the characters to develop from adventure to adventure and at the same time give them little new things that they've gained as a part of the story so that's a challenge for the games master but it's very rewarding when you can lead your players through an experience where their characters grow as a result of the stories they've been involved in not necessarily because they've acquired a certain amount of points or, or anything like that. It's also a similar thing to how a game would start. I mean, what's a character's incentive for wanting to join this story? 
And a lot of the sort of early players or, or people that haven't played role-playing games before sort of say, well, what's in this for me? How much money am I going to get for it? Or am I going to get a ship out of it or so on? And the challenge there is to try and say, well, you're not going to get anything particularly impressive, but you will maybe learn something along the way. And it's trying to find ways of making that attractive, which can be fun for a GM. And hopefully my, 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 my GM section in the book will have some hints and tips towards that as well. I'm going to be a bit cheeky, is it? possible then to surmise from what you're saying about how the character creation process for Elite Dangerous is a little bit down the line, does that mean that a player's character in Elite Dangerous will have stats and things that define them as a person beyond the abilities of their ship? Is that something you can talk about? I actually don't know, because uh, Frontier haven't really given me any information on it at all about what they they think it's going to be, and I've been told that um, they haven't really got anything workable that's worth telling anybody yet, basically. One of the um, cheeky people on the ULA forum actually said to me that if, uh, if I do this well enough, then they might steal mine. Which, if they did, I'd be very honoured. But uh, we'll, we'll see. So I see from your Kickstarter pledges that some of the things that you uh, offer at different levels uh, is actually caricature drawing. So have you got a bit of a, uh, an artistic skill there? Well, skill is maybe not, not the right word. I have something. <laughs> if you have... I got meningitis in 2005. And... Um, because I wasn't allowed to look at a computer, because my eyes were hurting too much, I decided to try and learn how to draw. It had mixed results. Um, I managed to be able to draw people fairly well, because I'd always been able to draw things like spaceships and stuff like that, but, but people I was never very good at. So I, I embarked on a course to try and fix that. And I did okay, and as a result, I ended up writing and drawing a webcomic for three years, uh, which you can find on the Daftworks website as well. It's called Battle Barge, and it's about gaming. That's an example of the way that I can draw. I can draw cartoony type things, and if I really concentrate, I can draw some okay actual anatomical art, if you like. I wouldn't call myself brilliant by any stretch of the imagination, but caricatures I can manage, yes. So in terms of your uh, ongoing funding for the project, uh, do you still have a means for people to uh, to contribute and back you if they want to? Well, yes, I do, Chris. Thank you for asking. <laughs> um, people can still donate by PayPal if, if they would like to. Uh, the Daftworks Elite RPG website is has now a, a little shop on there. We can look at. I've, I've tried to break down some of the prices for things that were that were offered as part of pledge packs into individual items. Now, if they want to buy a book or GM screen or anything like that, then they're quite welcome to do it there. I do want to reintroduce the dice at some point, but they wouldn't have Elite logos on them anymore. Oh right, is that something that was that was something that was stopped? Is it? Well, it was. I made the promise that the sort of merchandise type thing, because I've, as I said, I've gone slightly above and beyond, um, and I've introduced accidentally a lot of merchandise. <laughs> this was pushing the boundaries a little bit. I promised the dice with elite logos and stuff on would be stopped at the end of the Kickstarter campaign, so I've removed them from the Kickstarter from the pledge options. But I'm quite happy to do more dice. I just need to find something else to put on there. So suggestions are welcome if anybody's got any. Okay, and they can contact you through your website. They can, yep, or through the Frontier forums. Everyone knows my username. Which is, for the listeners at home? Selazen. Uh, S-E-L-E-Z-E-N. Because uh, I know that some of the uh, boys at Lave Radio are very excited about their dice coming along. There's some keen backers there. So what's the next step for your uh, project in terms of funding? What are you trying to get to next? Well, if, if we can get to the, I think it's 7,750 was the target for the full illustrations. If we can get to that, then that'd be great. But I mean, if, if people want to keep pledging, then just keep pledging. Everything that gets received will go straight towards making that book as good as it can be, whether it be through artwork or proofreading or anything that either I can think of or anyone else can think of that I can do to make it the best thing they can ever get, then I'll do that. People have given me their money to produce some, um, and I want to make sure that I can do the best job that is possible. A print run for the book, 
so that I can actually send them to shops or whether it be translations or anything like that, which I would have to obviously check out at Frontier as well. I think this this is the, the thing I worry about is there's, there's a license involved as well. I actually kind of forgot that in the, the first half of the campaign when I set the stretch goals originally because I didn't actually leave any, any extra room for production costs. And someone mentioned that it would be an idea to maybe boost, boost the thing a little bit to give myself a little bit of what they called wiggle room. So that all the production stuff could get done like reproducing stuff or things, even just simple things like for the, for the loose leaf pack I'll have to buy paper and stuff like that. Is my printer that I've got now going to be good enough to print it off? Things like that, you know, it's things that I hadn't actually thought of before. One of the stretch goals was researching production of the counters, for example, and how to make them as good as I can make them. That's another thing I need to look into now because we met that goal. I'm going to look into the best way of getting them produced, whether I can do them through a print house that would do them in bulk or whether it's uh, more cost effective to actually buy a dedicated printer for that process. So whatever happens... Um, any funding that's been given will be will honour anything that's related to that role-playing game and its production. I do feel like the the internet's watching, <laughs> which is quite it's quite a daunting thing to think that there's two hundred sixty was the final count. People who are all out there watching me, um, and waiting and waiting for their their stuff to get made. So yes, very aware of that. Sometimes to sleepless night. Okay, and so what's next from your point of view with the development of the game? What are you working on now, and what's the next thing you need to hit? you know for yourself in terms of making this project come to life yeah there's there's kind of two different areas I'm, I'm looking at at the moment the first is i'm trying to look at the character generation page as i said i've got pages of notes on that on the tablet at the moment about what stats i'm going to use what how the characters are going to be defined and what the rules will be for actually creating a character in the first place and then the other side of it is the actual i suppose the setting for the role-playing games um sample adventures um, a very generous pledger, really towards the end of the project, actually purchased the system naming pack. So he's named the system and kind of defined it in the process. And I want to try and expand on that and turn it into a, a good campaign setting, actually, within the game. Much in the same way that the original D&D had the Greyhawk setting, that kind of thing. So that there's at least a, a well-defined system there. So I'm trying to pad that out and then get that ready for submitting to Michael for final approval. And what about the, the other projects? Are there any other Elite Dangerous projects that you're particularly excited about and looking forward to getting your hands on? Yeah, definitely. I like all of them, actually. All, all the big projects sound brilliant. I've been a long-time fan of D- uh, Drew Wagar's work, read all of his Ulite. Elite books, and they were brilliant, and I'm really looking forward to uh, Reclamation. Alan Stroud's Lave Revolution sounds really good as well. I'm looking forward to that, because obviously Lave's close to everybody's heart, especially mine. Being an original Elite freak, and if I was going to give a third place, I think I've got this soft place for Mostly Harmless as well. I'm quite looking forward to that, because if that's going to be sort of Douglas Adams-esque in its execution, that's going to be quite a good read. I'm looking forward to that one. So, just to wrap up then, uh, if you were sort of in charge of it, and the, the world was your oyster, what would you most want to see appear in the Elite Dangerous game. The Imperial Courier. Why is that? Um, I don't know. I, I was never a big fan of Frontier and First Encounters in comparison to Elite, but the Imperial Courier always just seemed to be a lovely ship. I think it's because after a few years, that first trailer came out for Frontier and it featured that ship in it quite heavily, and it just looked cool. I have to say I'm a huge fan of the Imperial Courier as well because it was about the same time when I was growing up that they were doing a lot of reruns of Blake 7 on cable. Uh, and when I when I saw that, I thought that looks. It doesn't totally look like the Liberator, but it looks close enough that I can kind of feel that this is my target ship I want to get to in this game. They saw the Imperial Trader and thought, "Oh, there it is." Yeah. <laughs> I think, like like a lot of other people, I was kind of disappointed that player characters and planetary landings weren't going to be in the game on its release. So I think that's the bit I would really look forward to. Uh, everything so far that I've seen in Herber, it sounds really good as well. So. 
I'm happy as it is. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time, Dave. Uh, it's been absolutely fascinating. I'm looking forward to seeing this game enormously. And you know, good luck with the rest of the game's development and the rest of the funding. And we'll look forward to hearing from you again when you're a bit further down the line. That'd be great. Thank you very much for your time. Cheers. 